Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Scott Stemmen podcast. I hope you guys are having a great uh, rest of your week as you are listening to this drop on Friday. Uh, today, uh, I have Micah Current back with me. He seems to be coming more of a regular, maybe, maybe, maybe like 10 more or maybe like maybe one more and then you could be an official co-host. How's that, Micah? <laughs> 10 or one let's meet in the middle maybe five all right five okay we'll we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen we'll also count the two parters as two all right we'll make it a little bit faster i think that's up four this is like episode four for me so i got one more to meet yeah. like the official co-host status all right cool cool, cool. <laughs> so um so today is it's kind of an interesting topic it's actually been a topic i had a conversation with another pastor buddy of mine just probably a few days back and it made me really think about the question of calling. Um, so when we think about the word calling, Micah, what would you, how would you describe to someone what a calling is? For ministry specifically, is that what you're, you're yeah. asking? Um, any, anything, if it's a calling for ministry, even if you feel like you're called to you know, do whatever, even if it's outside of ministry related things. Um, outside of ministry, I think um, it's more of like, how do you feel about a, an opportunity, whether that's a job, whether that's like a, a family uh, situation or relationship with your friends. Um, if you feel called to something, it's just having that like that, that reassurance that you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and respect to ministry, it's like, it's kind of the same thing, but like, you feel that God is calling you to do that. He's calling you into a relationship with him and the ministry that you, uh, plan on serving or are serving at that moment. So, um, I don't know. Is that, is that kind of what you're looking for? Yeah. I mean, I think when I think about my calling, you know, my calling in the ministry to me, it was kind of a passion almost. And actually I think kind of where you're going, like, outside of the ministry context where it's something that you feel like a passion to, you maybe feel a drawing, whether it's a job opportunity that you think, wow, this is really going to um, really not only change your life, but in a way it's just going to hold the, it's going to kind of set the trajectory that you're on of what you want to do or, you know, the things that you want to do within your family. Um, there's like a certain type of calling that you have. Um, in ministry, I think that there's always like a divine uh, interference in some ways and not interference in a bad way, but there's this idea of, you know, I'm joined the ministry because I felt God had done something in my life, has spoken to me, has touched my heart, has kind of motivated and even kind of moved me in this direction to do ministry by kind of showing my gifts and talents um, and even just kind of pushing me in that direction of just, you know, my heart for people and, and my heart for reaching uh, communities uh, for the Jesus, uh, for Jesus Christ. And even just kind of, kind of creating a culture and more of a kingdom driven culture with inside churches. That's kind of been a big calling for me. Um, so for that, I think in some ways it's kind of like spiritually appointed when it comes to a calling. Um well, and it's also hard to like, cause you and I are kind of like, we've been talking about this over the last couple of months as like friends, as colleagues in ministry, you know, as just people who have been on different podcasts and things like that. But like, 
the we're we're both kind of in the transition mm-hmm. in our in ministry seasons, and like it's hard. I think there's a huge huge um, uh, problem. I don't know if you want to call it a problem, but like you know, Scott, you feel called by God. You feel called by God to lead churches. You feel mm-hmm. God. You feel called by God to do ministry, and um, but at the same time you go and interview for for positions in churches, you feel like God's calling you to that ministry. And sometimes those doors just shut. They're Mm -hmm. emphatically shut in your face. But what I'm trying to say is that like, it's hard to feel called to do something and then like, feel like you're not catching a break. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I think that's, and I think, yeah, I definitely, that does make sense. I think kind of the difference between somebody who's just passionate about ministry and someone who has a calling for ministry is that, you know, when those doors continue to shut, 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 shut. And it's been like, I don't know, for some, it could be years before they finally get something from their last ministry to this ministry. It's very easy to say, you know, do I even want to do this anymore? Do I want to just kind of throw in the towel and say, you know what, I'm going to work at Amazon, get paid like 18 bucks an hour or whatever they're paying and just do that for the rest of my life, you know, provide for my family, you know, build up a savings account, put something in a 401k, you know, because I mean, not too many people in ministry can have enough money to put in a 401k or a pension or anything, because frankly, you know, every dime that they get goes to feeding their families and, you know, paying bills and, and everything else. Um, so when I think about the calling, not only is it divine, divinely directed, but I also think that when it comes to, like you said, like when it comes to whether a minister is joining a ministry or leaving the ministry, there does seem to be a sense of calling of saying, okay, this is my time to go, or, you know, I feel God's leading me to this ministry. So I'm going to put my resume, my cover letter, you know, send some sermons over there. And hopefully, you know, if I truly believe God's calling me here, then it's going to happen or something's going to happen pretty soon. And that might be the next step. Um, However, on the flip side of that, does, are we approaching a type of ministry culture right now where the sense of calling or that idea of calling is becoming less and less common and it's kind of becoming more about more of a business model on how you're going to get a ministry position. I think it depends on the church. Mm. It depends on the location. It depends on the size. It depends on the, the DNA and what that church is about and what that ministry is about. Um, I know in the area that we live, we live in, you know, uh, we live in Southwest Ohio, close to Cincinnati. And, you know, there are several churches that are, you know, a thousand, 2000, you know, even all the way up to crossroads that, you know, they're one of the larger churches in the United States. And, um, they're, you know, they have pastors who are like on a rotation for teaching on Sundays, but the rest of their staff, Mm-hmm. are staff positions instead of pastors. But then there are mid-sized churches, you know, I don't know, Scott, you've defined this before. What, what would you say? Like anywhere from two to 500 to something Mid- like that. that w- I, yeah. Mid-sized, I say probably maybe like 150 to like maybe 300, I would say is mid-sized, maybe, yeah. maybe up to four. 
four to I was thinking more like anywhere from five four four to five hundred to a thousand mm. mid. Small to mid to me would be probably 150 to 500. Oh, see, I would not see. And then I got, I guess if we're using those numbers, then there's very small, which is less than well, 100. No, no, no. Like I, and everybody, we've talked about it before is like every church is different and everybody feels differently about different size churches and things like yeah. that. Um, for me, what matters is the health of the church and the ministry mm-hmm. at that church. So it could be a church of a hundred, but they're like healthy as can be. And they're really impactful in the community and, and they have good staff and they have a good pastor and everything's great. Um, back to the position thing, you know, the smaller to mid-sized churches usually in my own experience have, uh, most of the staff members, I I would say, aside from maybe your office assistant or your administrative assistant, your office managers, things like that, your financial managers, they have those titles, but for the most part, everybody else has the title of pastor, whether it's children's pastor, children's pastor, youth pastor, Mm -hmm. um, worship pastor media pastor, lead pastor, associate pastor, executive pastor, whatever. Right. So like, um, for me, that, that is kind of my understanding of it. And I think we're kind of getting into like a a rabbit hole, (laughs) (laughs) but, but like, honestly, Scott, like, I think that the, the title pastor isn't what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we just, you know, if you look at, uh, larger churches in the area, they have the titles for job positions, director of video, director mm-hmm. of first impressions, first impressions, coordinator, mm-hmm. um, social media manager, uh, coordinator of marketing. You know, they don't have the title of pastor anymore. And, and a lot of those people don't really feel that sense of calling on their life. They just want a position and they feel that they can get that position within a church and make a full-time salary. And a lot of larger churches are paying into what you're talking about with mm-hmm. retirement, having benefits, paying really well, mm-hmm. but they're, but they're larger churches and yeah. that's, you know, it's just what they are and that's their DNA. Yeah. And I think, and I think when you go in, just kind of focusing on the calling aspect, you know, you feel called to apply to a church, you apply to a church, you have your interviews, you have your candidating weekend, and then the congregation votes. And if, and if you get the votes, then you are then called and that's the type of language, you know, the church has now called you to be, you know, for you to be their pastor. And then do you feel the call to be these people's pastor? And if you say yes, then this whole idea of now I'm the pastor of this church, it is something that has been called upon by God. It's been ordained by God. So then there's this sense of spiritual belongingness. It's almost like... um it's almost like this idea that now this heart, this, you know, this new heart has been transplanted into this body and now you are one body. Um, but then you look at the other side where like, you know, now you have things like, you know, like coordinators and leaders. And then sometimes you have executive pastors and, and um, teaching pastors. And technically the teaching pastor is actually the one that's up on stage doing preaching the sermon and the executives, the one who's kind of oversees more of the staff and operations and the budget and everything. And you're just like, well, doesn't executive sound like a more higher title than teaching? So, you know, it's, it's, we, we try to get into these business models. And I would think that, you know, the idea that I, are people even looking for a pastor anymore or are people looking for somebody who knows how to run 
a bigger size church because they have experience, not necessarily as a pastor, but sometimes they could just be a Christian, a very well-rounded, well-founded Christian, but yet they do have experience of how to run a company. And you now kind of insert them into this spiritual model because they're the executive pastor and they may not be the one preaching up on stage, but they are the ones who are kind of overseeing the ins and outs of the operations of the church. Yeah. Um, so good. The one of the last churches that I worked at, it was kind of set up that way. So like we, you know, had the lead pastor who taught on Sundays. And of course there was a rotation of people who would teach, but the lead pastor would teach but yet he was also part of a, a missions company in Florida. So he would teach a lot of times on Sundays and then he would get on a plane and he would go to Florida and he'd have meetings like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or be gone Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, come back on Wednesday and have, we'd have our staff meetings on Wednesday and he would be there for that. But like there was very minimal contact with him. Mm. If that makes sense. Like yeah. he was, he was a part of meetings. He was part of casting you know, vision. And he was part of like, you know, sermon series, planning meetings and things like that. And then like during COVID, um, when we were pre-recording our, uh, live stream, you know, I had a lot of contact with him because I was the video guy. And so we would just be producing, you know, pre-recording those messages. And, um, but, but even then it was, he came in, he preached, he was like, are we good? I said, we're great. And he left, right. There was very, it wasn't very personable and it was just, it was hard. It was hard for me. So, yeah. because in other churches and ministries that I've worked for, I've been always been very close to my, you know, staff, whoever I've worked with, whether it was the lead pastor, other pastors on staff, you know, and their families, like we all, we were all just really close. So this was the first experience for me where, um, kind of had that, you know, larger church mentality with, uh, very minimal contact to the lead pastor. And so I just kind of didn't feel like I was a part of that. And yeah. so, you know, and Scott, you know, and this conversation can go all over the place because then you talked about that before we started recording, <laughs> but like, I, I just felt like I wasn't a part. And mm. so like, you can feel, you know, very isolated. And um, when you start to feel that way, you just kind of shut everything off and just go through the motions. And then, you know, we talked in a previous episode on your show about, you know, just feeling um, you know, the sense of urgency to get a job in ministry. And like you and I are, you and I just talked about it before we started recording this episode, but like we, we did, we're not in a hurry to get our next assignment mm -hmm. and not like we're not, not like we're dragging our feet by any means, but we're like being, like you said, Scott, very, being very meticulous in respect to like, okay, is this going to be a good fit? Is this going to be good for my for my spouse and myself? Is it going to be mm -hmm. a good fit for our kids? Is it going to be a good fit for, you know, if we have to move and it's a big move, is it going to be something that's going to be sustainable for me and my family? Or are we going to get there for a year or two? And then we're going to have to turn around and come back home because we just didn't feel like it was the right decision. And is God in it? Is God not in it? Do yeah. we still feel called? Do we feel that calling in our life? You just have to weigh out all those questions and weigh out all those options. And if it's not, you know, yes, I'm actively searching for ministry positions at the moment. But like, unless I feel like an, an emphatic yes from the Lord, I'm not moving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. And 
that's 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 very that's very good stuff because you know like like you said like you know i'm not in a hurry to go find my next thing because you know there are certain things that and i mean i've always tell the story about how and i don't think i've ever told you the story micah but there was a time where when i was looking for my first pastoral job me and my wife laura were just talking about whatever and she and we were living in london ohio at the time because she was going to Dayton to get her law degree. And I was, you know, working at the uh, camp at Ohio Ministries. And, um, you know, she said, you know, it would be nice if we found a place where you could walk to work and we can also walk to the library because going to the library was very common for us. We'd go every week. And sure enough, my first pastoral position in Cortland, Ohio, I could walk. The church was right next door to the parsonage, just literally 30 seconds to get into the front door. And then just right around the corner was a library, a public library that we could walk to. And it's just like, wow, what an amazing coincidence this was. So, you know, we do have certain things that we want in ministry. And we don't want to say, well, hey, here's a job. Let's just go for it and see what happens. You know, we have to say, you know, we don't want to take my family and try to lay roots and try to hopefully see if we can get our kids all the way through elementary junior high and high school at the same place um you know and, which, and i think it's yeah go ahead it, I, I was just gonna say that like i think it's one thing like how old were you when you got married uh 20 late i was probably 26 when i got married so i got 20 we got married at 28 oh so, so you beat me yeah but what i was gonna say though like i think there's something to be said like when you're younger mm-hmm. and you're in your 20s and you're willing to move and do all those things now that i'm older not so much, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't have kids yet. I know that you have kids, but mm-hmm. that's a whole nother factor. Yeah. Right. And so you have to, you know, as scripture says, be on guard mm-hmm. and just really, <laughs> you know, weigh out those options and really um like there was a couple of times when we moved, you know, I was a kid, a pastor's kid, and we moved a lot. Um, it was probably six, seven years into each assignment where my dad got called to another place. So I was offered another ministry position. And so like, feels like when we were finally getting there and we're established roots and we're, we're you know, we get friends, like we were devastated as kids. We were just mm-hmm. devastated because we had to move, but like, we knew that it was the right thing and it was the right time and the season. Um, my dad went through a building program. And if you know, Scott, like building programs can be the death of pastors, like oh, yeah. physically be the death of pastors because of how much stress that goes along with building a new building, whether it's a completely new building, uh, an addition onto the current building. Uh, a new sanctuary, a new fellowship hall, whatever you want to call it, new recreational center. It can just be a lot because you're, you're taking out a lot of money, you're investing money, you're raising money. Mm-hmm. And my dad was, <clears throat> he was the lead pastor at a church. They wanted a new sanctuary. They wanted a new addition onto the current building. They did that. And as soon as the building was done and they were in it and they had the ribbon cutting ceremony, the church was like, just done with my dad. They were done with him being pastor there because they got like what they wanted out of him yeah and whether that's right or wrong it was just my dad just knew that that door was shut and then Mm. it was time to move on and so it was such a weird happenstance because i've never heard of anything like that before but like it was just it was almost like yes we're so glad you're our pastor but yet we got what we needed and now it's time to turn the page (laughs) yeah and 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 again you know going back to that idea of calling you know you know, you're called by somewhere, and then all of a sudden the people are like, nope, and they want to give you the boot. And it's like, well, 
you know, if this is, it's kind of that idea of, well, if God called me to this place and all of a sudden I'm here for, you know, 10 years or less. And all of a sudden the people are just like, yo, we're done with you now because we got everything we needed from you or everything we wanted you to do, you did or didn't do. So we're just going to give you the boot, which I think, you know, that's kind of traumatic in some ways. I think in the other ways, if you go to a bigger church and let's say you get hired and it's like, okay, you know, we hired you, we like you, you go. And then all of a sudden it's like, if you're not performing a certain amount of numbers or producing numbers, it's like, okay, well, they want to point the finger. They want to point the finger. Well, how come you didn't, how come, you know, how come you didn't baptize, you know, if you're, if I'm the children's pastor, how come you didn't baptize 50 kids this year? We always do 50 plus kids every year. And then this year we only did 20. How come you didn't? It's like kids got baptized. Mm -hmm. Kids gave their life to the Lord and they are making a commitment to follow Jesus and they want to get baptized. What does it matter if it's not 50 or 20? 20 kids did. And I was actually, I was talking to a pastor's buddy because he was talking about, we're talking about ministry and how sometimes when you're candidating or you're, or even if you're interviewing, they're just like, okay, you know, what was the size of the church you previously were at? Mm. And sometimes they'll even ask you what, uh, not only was the size, but what was the size? What was the size of the church that you, when you were there and what was the size of the church when you left? Because they want to measure, oh, well, if you grew by, you know, by 20, 50, 70 people, then, hey, that's a good sign. We want you. If you get there and you lose 20 people, then it's like, well, we don't want you. And yet, well, not you to... oh, and, and I'm just going to say, but the thing is, is, but yet, even though they're numeric numbers, you don't even understand like the culture of the situation because a pastor could come into a, a place and literally walk into a hot steaming pile of poop and then have to deal with a lot of stuff. And you see a lot of stuff he had to clean out, which means sometimes people leaving the church and for it to get healthy sometimes in some ways. And all of a sudden it's just like, well, that's now, now your, now your experience. And now that defines you who as a pastor, because you had to, you know, had to go do a big culture change in the church. And that means that some people had to leave the church in order for you to, create a good healthy ground in there well and not to throw covid in there to like get those metrics or whatnot but like how can people gauge that stuff now in 2022 with the standard of covid and we've talked about that in previous conversations of how people left church they're not mm -hmm. coming back to church it gave people an excuse to leave church and not come back to church mm -hmm. um, people were legitimately scared to come to church people don't feel safe mm -hmm. like for one reason or another and you know you're talking about those questions, Scott, that they're asking when you're interviewing for a position, how, how can they gauge that in 2022 with those, those, those kind of parameters, especially yeah. with COVID? Well, even, even with that, like you can say like, okay, like you can even show numbers. Yeah. Like, you know, before COVID we had, you know, 70, like, you know, 70 people. And then when COVID hit, we now had about 25 or 30, but yet before COVID we were only getting like maybe 10 or 12 views of our sermons that we were streaming on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And now we're having close to 89, a hundred. And then not only on Facebook, but then you're also having another like 20 or 30 on YouTube. Yeah. And it's like, well, those numbers are probably significant, but because everybody had to move into a streaming digital world real quick, especially if you're a church that wasn't set up for it, that those numbers 
people don't know how to gauge those numbers. And then, of course, the question is, is like, well, is that someone who watches the whole entire sermon or they just click the link to watch it for like a second and then mm-hmm. they backed out? I'm like, well, you could there's depending on the website, there's a bunch of different metrics where you can find out like if they watched it for 15 seconds, if they watch it for 60 seconds, if they watch it for a minute plus, like you can gauge that stuff if you really want to. And I think when we get to the, those type of business model questions, or sometimes like I was asked one question, um, you know, do you see yourself as a conservative or a progressive? And it was like one of those questions of like, why does that even matter when it comes to the church, especially if I'm proclaiming the gospel because the gospel should be neutral it has no political party the gospel trumps political affiliation exactly so why why am i being asked this question Mm. um and then so it's very so even like so again it's like well and and i go back to the prophets because i think about the prophets and who god called to proclaim you know proclaimed to Israel during some of their times. And it's like, you look at these prophets and yeah, you have Isaiah, but you have Jeremiah who basically was a kid. You have Ezekiel who's tying himself down to the ground and like cooking his food over, over cow dung. And yet this is the one that God called to serve these people. And you're thinking to yourself, how do you judge who God is calling to your church by asking them all these questions, especially these questions that have nothing to do with character, have nothing to do with um, spiritual formation, have nothing to do with their knowledge of the scriptures or the Bible. A lot of these, it seems like a lot of times, a lot of these questions are, do you have a family? Do you have this? Do you have that? And it's like, who do you vote? Who'd you vote for in the next election? How many people did you baptize? And even, even I was talking to my pastor, he, my pastor buddy, you know, he, he lost some people because they're doing like a complete culture change at his church. And it says, you know, by those numbers, I probably wouldn't be able to get a ministry job now at the same time. In the last 20 years, there have been no baptisms at this church. And just in the last two years, we had five baptisms. And I'm thinking that's a more interesting number that in 20 years, there was no baptisms. And then in the last two years, there was five. To me, that shows that there's slow growth happening, spiritual growth happening, even though the numerics, even though the algorithm or the numerics doesn't look that great. Would you rather have growth? period or no growth at all like that's kind of the question that you're asking i think yeah and you know whether it's slow or you know slow and long term or you know to what you're saying scott like is it is there growth happening or is there not growth happening and for them like in this moment like whether it was five baptisms or zero five is better than zero yeah (laughs) well and but at the same time they don't ask the questions about how many baptisms you do they're only asking how many members do you have in your church and and here's the fascinating thing and and it's one of these things which it's it's one of the it's like almost like running a marathon than a sprint you know what i mean because sprints are questions like how much growth did you have but a marathon's like okay what have you done in your past ministries where that growth is continuing even after you have left for me as a board member i would probably ask that question because even in my ministry there's been times where i have seen growth outside of myself with me being gone and Mm -hmm. like i mean just last year i got a text message from the treasurer at the church i pastored at in ohio 
And he was asking if we were going to be up around Memorial Day visiting family because there is a new couple in the church and they're part of a motorcycle gang. And they're having like this big like motorcycle Memorial Day motorcycle thing in the parking lot where they're going to cook food and just kind of have like a little block party. And I wrote him back. I'm like, oh, no, sorry, we're we're not going to be able to make it because we're getting ready to leave for our Disney trip that got canceled when the pandemic hit in 2020. And, you know just casual conversation. And then he writes back and he basically just said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I want to thank you personally. Thank you for everything you've done for us as your, as our pastor all those years, because we have been seeing a lot of growth and a lot of changes in our financial situation has been under control. And a lot of that had to do with a lot of the hard work you had to do as our pastor during those, during that time you were there when we were kind of in a rut and you kind of helped us, you know, put some, sand put some wood underneath the tires to be able to get us out of that rut and it's like well thank you i mean i was almost in tears because i'm like oh my gosh like thank you so much for that um but yeah i i just find it so fascinating that when it comes to the idea of calling it almost seems like going back to the question does calling even matter and i feel like in this modern church culture that we are in it doesn't it doesn't i don't think it does and especially which is kind of the big topic we're going to talk about today is that i have heard reports from people um that there has been a lot of poaching going on specifically pastoral poaching where churches without a pastor will con may have a may see a pastor at another church and go you know we think that this person's doing great work there we would really like to have them be our pastor so what they do is they will reach out to this pastor and say hey we know you're at a church we know you're a pastor at this church but would you like to come and switch teams would you like to come and join our culture join our tribe and be our pastor um and I find it fascinating that that has become more prevalent because I feel like more and more, not only am I hearing it, that that has happened to pastors where they left positions because another church has contacted them and offered them the role, kind of by kind of like oh, bypassing the whole candidacy or sending in your applications or putting your the job position out there. But at the same time, even the idea that when church you know, as search committees are trying to find pastors, sometimes they're getting advice that, hey, if you want to find a pastor that you want, you need to go out and recruit. And I, I have an issue with that. <laughs> I can't. I can tell. Voice. I can I tell you. Know. Well, and again, it goes back to the topic. Does calling matter? Mm -hmm. And if calling does matter, then why are churches or even church staff re going out and poaching pastors from other churches that they're other shepherds who are flocking who are shepherding other sheep yeah i mean <laughs> i don't know how to answer that because you're a little fired up scott <laughs> oh i i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna simmer a little bit i'm gonna i'm gonna turn the heat down a little bit <laughs> all right you take a take a drink of something decaf um <laughs> I know you've been up for a while, so probably switch to decaf at this point. Right, um, I will. <laughs> no. Um, so one of two things. Mm -hmm. 
well, let's just say two things. One, uh, are you are you talking about specifically like lead pastors, or are you talking about associate staff, or like all of it? I, I would say all of it. Um, and again, you know, from a lot of my, again, you know, from my setting, there's very few churches that I know of or pastors that I know of that have multiple staff. Usually it's maybe just a pastor and a secretary, or it may be a pastor and associate, and that's it. And like the um, associates, associates by vocation are not even paid. Yeah. Or if you do have a full-time associate, they're usually, you know, they're just kind of either there for a couple of years, or in the case of like the church I grew up in, the associate pastor there has been there for over 25 years. Okay. And yeah. So, yeah. So a couple things. One, um, I kind of went through a situation a couple of years back. I don't know if you want to call it poaching. Okay. I don't, um, there were some lay people within the church that I was at that weren't very happy when they found out what I did. Um, but I was, I was the associate, uh, worshiping young adults pastor at a church. The lead pastor hired me and some other staff people. And we were there. I was at this church, this church almost two years. And the person that hired after me was there for about a year. And then in November of that year, he told us that he was leaving. Hmm. And so he went to another church. And so we went through the whole interim phase of like, what are we doing next? Who's going to be our next lead pastor? What are we going to do? And so like during that time, the board got together without my knowledge, came into my office on Good Friday. It wasn't really Good Friday in my book Mm. um, and gave me a new contract for my job and said and gave me all these new rules and guidelines of, of which they wanted me to follow. And basically made me sign a contract and said that after 60 days, if I wasn't like, I guess, shaping up to being the way they wanted me to be, um, I was out mm. basically going to lose my job. Mm-hmm. So I was young. I was engaged. I had just got engaged and my wife now, my fiance then was trying to find a job in Ohio to move here so that we could start our life together. And the same pastor who had left that same ministry took another church in North Carolina and called me and said, Hey, I can hire you at this other art, you know, at my new church. It's not full time. You may have to find another job. And this was all dependent on, you know, Alicia, my wife, finding another job. Mm -hmm. And thankfully it worked out, got open those doors and we were able to move there for almost a year. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you want to consider that poaching or not. I, I, I would say no, because here's, here's, here's where I, and that, I was, I my, I was kind of pinned up against the wall. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not here to pin anybody up against the wall. I'm here to have the conversation, <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah. But like in your case, you have an ultimatum and I think it's different. And I think it's different if let's say for an example, you're a worship leader and let's just say you're things just aren't going well, or maybe you're kind of in that point of season where you're just debating, you know, am I going to leave? Am I not going to leave? Um, and you're kind of already in that thing of, man, I'm, I'm ready to leave, but I'm kind of nervous because I don't know what's next. So you're kind of in that like waiting season or, but then next thing you know, someone may call you and say, Hey, like I may call you and say, Hey, I need a worship leader. Would you like to be our worship leader? And it's like, I'm already out the door. 
I had some leaders barge in my office saying, hey, you got to, here's our demands. You got to meet each of these demands. To me, I wouldn't say that's poaching because it's automatic. Because even if you did meet those demands, more likely just knowing cult, church culture and kind of knowing and he, just reading case study after case study, more likely if you hit all those benchmarks, they're probably going to throw more benchmarks on you to get you to finally either burn out or finally just say, you know, I can't take this anymore. And you're just going to walk out the doors anyway. I don't see that as poaching where I kind of see the line of poaching is the idea of you're a pastor you're at a church, you're comfortable. You like being there. You don't have any, you don't have any, um, you don't have anything in your mind that is telling you, you should leave. Not an inkling, not a thought. And then all of a sudden you get a letter, you get a phone call, you get a text message basically saying, hey, we would like you to be our pastor. And, and, and just to kind of, and just to kind of, tell the story i've been here in stanton for seven years i was the pastor at the stanton church here for six years in the six years of ministry i have gotten two letters in the mail from churches specifically asking me if i would want to jump ship one particular letter back in 2016 i got a letter from a guy or from a church and it said on the letter, it said, Pastor Scott Stedman had the address. I'm like, cool. I open it up. And the first words that are on there is like, dear Pastor Thompson, we would like you to be, we would like you to be our pastor. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not, my last name's not Thompson. That's the so wrong the, person. The, no, it's the wrong person, but the envelope was right. The letter was wrong. So I'm thinking, was there somebody in there basically going through like, the church of God directory and going, Hey, this person's kind of within a close proximity that can move very quickly. Let's just send a bunch of letters out and see what happens. The other time would have been in 2018. I got a phone call. Someone asked me if I wanted to jump ship and go somewhere else. And I told them absolutely not. I said, and I, and I was pretty blunt with them. I said, Nope, I feel like God has called me to this place for a reason. I feel like that we are making great trajectories, um, doing great ministry. And I don't think that God is calling me to leave. And I was very polite about it, but there's a part of me that goes, but there's a, still that inkling of going, well, if you're just handpicking people, then what's the point of putting your information out there for people to apply? And again, what's the sense of calling? Is there even, is calling even? Does calling even matter anymore? And it seems well, like those, and I, I mean, I know, and in those situations, I would have to say no, because right now it's like, it seemed like we need a pastor. We're in desperate need of one. So we're going to go and we're going to find a pastor. Doesn't matter if he's available or if he's pastoring another church, we are going to go find a pastor. Well, and then you have all these churches who sit, uh, who sit empty and are in desperate need of pastors and they're being so picky about who they pick. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, and it's, and it, and a lot of it has to do with their own DNA as a church and church health and uh, well-being. There are just so many churches out there that need pastors that are sitting empty right now. And it's like, 
it's almost like we're playing mind games where like are you're cherry picking certain you know pastors to do certain assignments and it's it's just like and we're not even talking about like you know church of god i don't think right we're just talking about churches in general just we're churches just, in general like, yeah like it's just it's just fascinating it's truly fascinating and like you go back to like <clears throat> talking about a process about picking a pastor and you know churches already have uh i've seen with my own eyes churches that like have lost senior pastors they go through the process of hiring somebody else and they already have the person in mind who they want to pick they just go through the motions mm-hmm. yeah. right and so like it's just why drag your feet on that and why <laughs> let that pulpit sit empty for so long when you already had the person in mind anyway yeah and, and it's it's very interesting because when i when i think about that i think about you know if Israel could, it's like, it's the idea of Israel picking their own king. We want a king. God says, no, nope, we want a king. Okay, here's your king. And they're like, you know, or here, God sends a prophet and he's telling them stuff. It's like, well, we don't like this prophet. We like this other prophet that's saying all the good things about us. So when you think about church culture and just the overall church, like, for you to say, well, we want this particular person to do these particular things, and that's who we're going to cherry pick. Are you really picking someone who is going to be used by God to transform the church into the direction that God wants? Or is it basically saying, this is the person we want so that they could be in here, they could teach us about God and kind of keep things the way that things are already going and not make any too subtle changes that need to happen that the Lord is asking us to do? Well, I, too, pick, like, I mean, I could pick Billy Graham. I mean, I could, heck, I could pick Stephen Furtick to be my pastor. Mm-hmm. But, well, is that, but is that going to be the right fit? And is that exactly who we need to bring the type of change that God wants for this church? Not necessarily what Stephen Furtick or a Billy Graham or, or a Scott Stedman or a Matt Chandler vision for the church. It's a, I think it's a fine line. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, I've seen over the course of, you know, 10 plus years of doing this where people go into places and they find out that they're just really not that happy where they are. And so they, they want an out. And so they go to the next thing and they keep kind of running in circles and it's not, not that that's healthy or any kind of like, uh, way to live your life but um yeah it's such a fine line and it it also has to uh, scott i think a lot of it has to do with the health of the church Mm. the church that you're at so like uh if you're in a ministry situation and a season of ministry and things aren't going great and you know you get a letter in the mail or an email or a text message from a fellow pastor who's on staff at another church and you know says Hey, we got some, we got a position over here. Do you want to come, you know, are you interested? Like, can you blame people? (laughs) You know, if the church, if if the church isn't not healthy and the church isn't in a good space and you don't feel like you're, you're in the right space. Like I've shared, I shared my heart in another episode we did. Like I, I was making more money than I've ever made in my life in a ministry job. And I walked away because I felt like the Lord was releasing me and, and, and it just wasn't a healthy space for me. And I wasn't thriving in that moment. And I felt like I was thriving more to get like, especially during COVID to go help churches that needed it because there were so many churches 
didn't matter what kind of church they were. They were churches nonetheless, and they were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was the most important thing to me. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I think, and I think you're right. There is a fine line and it's not like, and I, it's, it's hard. You can't really, I feel like in ministry, you can't paint broad strokes. Just like mm-hmm. when we talked about earlier, you can't just say, well, what were your numbers before and after? Because you don't really see the culture. You don't really know the people who lives were completely changed or the people who had like more of a stagnant faith. And through one's ministry there, their faith went from being stagnant to just constantly growing and they're growing great fruit. But, you know, you can't gauge that on a you can't gauge that on an Excel sheet. Well, let's take it a step further, can okay. we? Yeah, go ahead. So, like, we, we talk about church poaching, but like, let's talk about uh, pastors who stay too long. Yeah. Right, and how unhealthy that is, and how much more long-term damage it does to the church. And then when churches go to find another pastor, they have um, they have such a terrible time finding that person because a the people were so invested in the other person, or that person stayed too long and the damage has been done, and they can't kind of seem to recover from that. And it's almost like they're rebuilding the entire ministry. Like yeah. you go, you go into an existing ministry as a new, new pastor and you try to build upon what's already there and cast your vision. But if all that is in shambles, because the pastor before you, you know, refused to leave when they, they should have, or, you know, ran it in. Yeah. And, and this, and, and to your listeners, that doesn't have, that doesn't mean scandal. That means yeah. they just, they should have left and they should have like, you know, feel that God was releasing them from that ministry and then they didn't go. That's, that's yeah. Um, and, and that's and more what I was. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there is a difference because I know one of my pastor buddies here, he's a pastor at one of the, one of the bigger churches here. And he's even kind of talked about, you know, the idea of transitioning, you know, he goes, you know, I think I have three years left. I've been here for, you know, 17, 20 years. I feel like I probably have three more years. So what can I do now to help make that transition smooth, that transition smooth. So by the time I retire, resign, whatever the case may be, that when I leave, the church is already set up to a place that it can thrive without, without a lead pastor, but at the same time, kind of understand, okay, here's kind of our vision. Let's find a pastor that's going to help move in that direction and don't feel like we have to rebuild everything again because so much of our church's identity was based on one person and would you like to know why though successions plans scare the crap out of churches yes they do 100 (laughs) percent agree i think i think that's that's the, the 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 right answer to that question and that comment and i think and i mean even if i think like uh and i can even think of and this may be a never topic but even pastors who may have retired or maybe gone, but yet they still attend a church when the new pastor comes up. And, and it's, so, and it's almost like, it's one of the things where when that happens, you're kind of like, well, why would I want to be at a church where the former pastor attends there? Like that doesn't sound good. And more, most, most cases I find that there's very few, maybe less than 5% where that has actually been beneficial. That's where, one of the most unhealthy things you can do. Oh yeah. yeah well, if you retire, yeah. resign, leave a ministry assignment and you hang around. Yeah. Like 
that your lay people are just going to look to you for answers. They're going to look to you for like vision. They're going to look at you because even though you're not the pastor anymore, they're just going to want, they're, they're used to that and they're accustomed to that. And it's not healthy, especially when you've tried to put somebody else in your role. Yeah. It's like, well, you're just sitting there watching. Well, I remember when I, when I resigned, when I resigned from my church here in Stanton, I was asked by a couple people, Oh, after you resign, are you still, still going to attend here? Yeah. And I basically told them no. And it wasn't <laughs> like and it wasn't like, well, I don't want to be here anymore. It's like me being here after I resign is not going to be very fruitful mm-hmm. for anybody, for me, for anybody. And whenever you get the new pastor, it's not going to be fruitful for them if I'm still sticking around. It's and, like you're and, squandering and their to, chances of being successful. Yeah, it's like it's like and and the, and for me, my thing is like you know, if I did everything that I needed to do, or I feel the Lord has called me to do in that in that place for this many years, then it's time for someone else to go and take the plow and start working. I don't need to hold the same plow that he's going to be using the plow, or he or she going to be using to dig the fields. Like I don't need to hold the handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I say I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to walk away while I come back and visit. Yeah, I'm sure eventually, but if I do, it's going to be a while. It took me at least over a year before I came and visit the church in Ohio. And I just came in and checked every, and it wasn't necessarily like checking things out. It's like, you know, I want to attend here. I just want to worship and just be an actual, just say hi to everybody that I knew. But when I was there, I wasn't there to go, okay, how's the new guy? Like I wasn't stirring crap up, which sometimes some pastors do that. If mm-hmm. they, they like to stir stuff up or they like to call people and go, Hey, how's the new guy working out for you? And, you know, and if, and if anybody says like, well, we like the new person pastor, but there are some things, Oh, what are those weaknesses? And then I'm going to exploit them. Like, I mean, I just got off the phone with somebody who that's what the pastor, the former pastor did, retired, stayed in the area, and basically will call other members of the church and talk bad about this other pastor. And I'm thinking, why? How is that How is that fruitful to the kingdom of God when you do that? Yeah, and, and I think too, like... And again, was your ministry based on following God, being called by God and following God's will, or was it based on your own destiny to try to build a name for yourself or to build a platform for yourself well and too like i i think that people there's an attachment issue Mm. lay people get so attached to their pastors and especially if pastors have been there a long time let's just say 10 to 12 years Mm -hmm. and then they they take another ministry assignment somewhere else like i've seen it with my own eyes where people will get attached to the pastor. And then the pastor says, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm retiring. I'm taking another ministry assignment somewhere else. I feel like God's releasing me from this assignment and we're going somewhere else. Nothing's wrong. There's been no affair. There's been no foul, foul play. There's been no embezzlement or any kind of uh, <clears throat> anything to hinder the ministry there. They're just legitimately feeling released. And then those lay people, it almost feels like they're more, What's the right phrasing for this, Scott? They're more like attached to the person than they are with their relationship with God. Mm. And mm. so like they, <laughs> when the pastor leaves, they're like, well, this person did it this way. This person did it this way. I'm like, well, if, yes, you can have a relationship and yes, you can be friends with them, but like the end result should be Jesus. And like, if you're yeah. not, if you're more invested in the pastor than your relationship with Jesus, there's another problem. And there's another heart issue there. 
Exactly. It, 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 it's, it's an, and really, if we boil it down, it's an idolatry issue. Yes. Like, it's almost like pastor is the, the middle person, right? You have your lay people, you have God, Jesus, all that stuff, right? And like the pastor is the shepherd, the leader, the, the vision caster, and kind of leads the flock and shows them what God is delivering them. It's kind of like that middle man, right? That middle person. And they, some people are more invested in the pastor than their relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's, that's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess I feel like we've went all over the place with this, but like, yes, pastor coaching is a real thing and does calling matter. And I think it does, but like at the same time in 2021, I'm sorry, 2022. Wow, that's probably the first time I've done that. I haven't done it on a check yet, but definitely do it on a podcast. And we're on, and we're into February, my friend. We're <laughs> into February, so I made it a whole month. There we go. Um, but like, if you look at churches' websites in reference to jobs, um, you're—I don't think you're going to see uh, the title pastor very much anymore. Mm. And you know, I. You know, we've this has been kind of a, a broad conversation, but like it's like if it's the lead pastor, like what is their title? Is it just pastor? Is it lead pastor? Is it teaching pastor? Like, does that matter? Does it have pastor in the title? Mm. Um, like, and is that more of a marketing thing? Like to make, you know, people think that you're cooler or not? Like, like I'm looking yeah. at a job, I'm looking at a church right now in the area where I live, and it's a rather large church. And I'm looking at their jobs, administrative project manager, facilities, team member, connections, director, broadcast, video, technical director, front of house, engineer, stage and lighting director, video, technical director, worship leader, uh, kids club, level director, student ministry, operations, director, site director, project manager, videographer, initiative manager, executive assistant, operations manager. There were 20 jobs there, Scott, and not one of them say pastor. Wow. And yeah, and wow. And I think even with the word pastor, you know, like you said, is it a marketing thing? Well, you could have a pastor, but do you really want a shepherd or do you really want, you know, a Fortune 500 leader? You know, <laughs> do you really want a leader who knows how to? do the analytics of trying to build growth or trying to build a brand or try to build marketing, or do you need a pastor that's going to shepherd people, especially during times of crisis, during times when people are sick, during times people really need the Lord's healing touch in their lives. I think that's a, I think that's a very legitimate question. I think that's a question that not only us as pastors have to ask and account for, but I think for those of us who are just congregants, lay leaders, or maybe some of you who happen to stumble onto this podcast and you're just like, Hey, I have, you know, I am on a search team and you're listening to this and it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't poach a pastor. Maybe we should reevaluate. Do we really care about the calling or do we really care about finding someone that's going to kind of fit within our brand that fits within our identity that we have created. Well, and see like Scott, how old are you again? Uh, I'm going to be turning 40 in March. Right. So like how much of it has to do with age as well? 
Like, are you, are we too old to not be cool enough to be the lead pastor or the associate pastor or the worship leader, or are yeah. we not old enough to be the lead pastor? Do we have enough experience? You have, you and I've had that discussion on a separate. Well, it, it, it reminds me of that movie, the secret of my success by Michael J. Fox. Like in the beginning, he's trying to find this job in the big city. And it was like, and he had this big rant where he's like, either I'm too young for the position or I'm too old. Either I have not, I have zero, I don't have enough experience or I have too much experience. You know, either mm -hmm. I'm underqualified or I'm overqualified. And it's like in this busy bu business world, sometimes just being, just sometimes you could be the most skilled, the most talented, the most professional. You could be the best pastor that that, particular church needs and yet you'll be overlooked because either you're underqualified overqualified and all these other businessy metrics that basically say well you know you're too old so we're not going to or you know you're too old and you're 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 40 and you're not married so no we don't want somebody or you have two you have two younger kids but we really need someone with older kids to kind of help round out our youth our youth right our youth group and stuff and it's like okay well then i guess it has you know i guess that has nothing to do with calling anyway it's just again fitting within your own brand well which is which is interesting and this is not ministry related scott but like for your listeners i my secular job my full-time job right now is i work at miami university in oxford mm -hmm. ohio and um if you look at their jobs you know they have jobs where they're very super specific as to what kind of education and background they want. And then there are mm -hmm. jobs where they want a high school diploma, like the equivalent of a high school diploma or more. And so like when I was looking for a full-time job again, like in order to get a job and get my foot in the door, I had to take stuff off my resume because I was overqualified. Mm. Right. Like I went to seminary. I went to undergrad. I got, you know, ordained in the church of God as a pastor and I took a lot of that stuff off of my my resume just so that I could get in, get my foot in the door and get paid an hourly wage with the full-time job of benefits and health insurance. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's just a crazy happenstance. And like, I feel like that that's a, uh, <clears throat> a big misconception, especially in ministry, if we could come back to that for a second, mm -hmm. as far as, you know, they want you to be this, this, and this. And then when you get there, it, it's nothing of what they talked about when you interviewed. And it's like, how can you expect the world from me if, you know, you weren't super honest and upfront with like what you were expecting? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just a, uh, this, this topic is, is great. I mean, it's just all over the place because like, because like, to be honest, like it, they all go hand in hand. Like the whole poaching thing is, 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 is basically another word for, you know, yes. Do you feel called somewhere? Do you feel like there is, like a legitimate, you know, calling on your life. And, you know, Scott, I could answer that question. Like the last ministry assignment that I was at, I felt like I was called there, mm -hmm. but I got there and it wasn't what I was, what wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. And I got there and I just felt like I was way out of my league and I just didn't feel like I fit into their, their team. I didn't feel like I was a part of that ministry. I just like, I just went in there. I did what they needed me to do. It was almost like I clocked in and clocked out and I was done. Wow. And, and it was just, it was very hard because I had no relationships at all. And, and as soon as I felt like that, I just shut down, mm. right? And that's not a healthy place to be in either. No, no. Yeah. When again, like you say, we're kind of all over the place, but I think a lot of these 
topics really go back to the foundation. They're tethered to the foundation of does calling matter? And I think that's a question that we all have to ask, whether we're a pastor, whether we're a church leader, whether we're, you know, looking for, if we're a church member who's on a team that's looking for a worship pastor, children's pastor, lead pastor, senior pastor, whatever pastor, or if you don't even use pastor, if you use just leader or team member like Target does, then um, <laughs> you have to, you have to like ask yourself, you know, does the sense of calling matter? And if you can't, and if you can't blatantly say, yes, it does, then you may have to reevaluate your practices and your policies of how you do ministry. Because if calling is, and if you believe calling is an important part of ministry and yet you don't take it serious, then, then what are you doing? Yeah. So, and guys, that's going to be it for us today. If you would like to keep this conversation, feel free to, you know, make a comment. We'll definitely get back to you. Um, I don't know if we'll ever jump on this topic again. I'm sure it'll be brought up again in another episode on something else we'll be talking about. It'll just, we'll just see back in the year because it is so prevalent and, and so interesting now in our culture today. Uh, but again, Micah, thank you so much for joining me. I always, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yep. And guys, again, thank you so much for listening. And again, if you like this podcast, feel free to give us a five-star review. Feel free to leave a comment. If you'd like to support this podcast financially, you can go to my coffee account. That is ko-fi.com slash the Scott Simon podcast. Uh, there's a lot of incentives there that you can do if you want to be a monthly donor, or if you just want to donate one time, we definitely appreciate it. All proceeds go to uh, the better to help him do, do improvements on this podcast. So guys, again, thank you so much for watching. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Talk to you later.